Okay. Well, I became licensed as a psychotherapist back in the mid-1970s and never dreamed that I'd be doing anything like this. Uh, I was doing pretty standard therapy work, and that was very rewarding. And then in the mid-1980s, by that, that time, I had become convinced that we have many previous lifetimes. And so I started five years of training as a past life regression therapist. And that was extremely interesting work. I'm still doing past life regressions. And then in 1991, the first person came to me who had had lots and lots of visits, encounters with unusual beings who were not human beings. And uh, they were beings from somewhere else in space. In other words, extraterrestrials. And with that first person who came, we did six regressions to those experiences. And she went from being extremely frightened and traumatized by these visits to feeling good about them, believe it or not. She actually came in for her last session saying, oh, I feel privileged and honored that these unusual beings have chosen me to visit. And she was looking forward to more of their encounters. So that gave me courage to be open to working with anybody else who might come, not expecting that anybody would. But as it turned out, there have been more than 2,000 additional people including you, Tyler. <laughs> yes, I'm honored. Who come for regressions to their extraterrestrial encounter experiences. Uh, so, And some of those people have been able to come quite a number of times because they lived geographically within an hour or so of where I am in California. And so some of those people... Uh, came for 20 regressions or 30 or 40 or 50 or even 60. Oh, my gosh. And so it's been about 3,800 regressions to extraterrestrial encounters that I have conducted. And with every single person, I just feel so honored and privileged myself to assist them in knowing what has been happening for them. And I've learned a lot along the way about some of these other beings and about the whole phenomenon. So my interest now, all these years later, since 1991, is just as keen as it ever was. And I keep learning new things because people keep having different experiences and sometimes with beings that I've never been aware of before. So my knowledge about all this just keeps expanding. It's very exciting. I can totally appreciate why somebody really doubts that this sort of thing exists at all, that that we have, there are extraterrestrial beings who come and visit humans 
and do a variety of things with humans because that's the way I was. I, I didn't think, you know, through the 1980s, I didn't think there was anything to this. And I thought it was science fiction to be totally truthful with you. Sure. But once somebody started coming and we did these regressions and the person, the young woman in this case, the first one, um, and she was so convinced that this was real. These things really, really happened. And we got so many details of those encounters, too. And so then I had to really open my mind. And it has been opened ever since. Of course, since 1991, too, I have been speaking at many, many conferences that deal with the whole UFO extraterrestrial subject and I have given many many lectures and met tons of people who've had these encounters uh, so there's just no doubt in my mind now but I can appreciate why somebody would really wonder if this could be truly happening and it is no oh, I, well I think we both can agree to that <laughs> um <clears throat> Especially, you know, we all have experiences, um, Aaron and I, you know, everybody, the reason we're doing this stuff is because we've had profound experiences and we want to talk about it. Oh, yes. Uh, people have sightings all the time. I uh, belong to one of the MUFON groups uh, in San Diego, where I am, and um, very frequently at the monthly meetings of uh, members of the group report sightings that they have had and they don't expect to have them necessarily they're not out looking for them but just when driving along in the car or walking along or really through their window sometimes uh, they will have a sighting of a ufo and it always seems to be exciting in other words it's something that really gets their attention and makes an impact and here in Southern California, of course, we have the Pacific Ocean very, very nearby. And many people will see crafts coming up out of the ocean, uh, rapidly coming up and dripping off water, of course, as they're above the water and flying off into the air and disappearing into space. Or sometimes they see a craft uh, like a disc-shaped craft coming down at an angle and plunging very cleanly into the water. It reminds me of a an Olympic diver mm -hmm. where they dive off the high, high board and go into the pool water with barely a splash. That's how it is described that these UFOs come along over the Pacific and dive into the ocean. It's, it's quite remarkable. And not only that, but over the years, I have regressed several people who in their ET encounters were taken to an undersea facility um, full of extraterrestrials. And whatever happened there uh, happened in that underground facility. So I think there's a lot more of that activity 
going on in our Earth oceans than we can even imagine. And then, of course, many people are taken onto the crafts, which seem to fly upwards and out into space uh, for their particular encounter experiences. And one of my clients, whom I regressed probably 10 years ago, a woman, uh, she was taken out from inland in Southern California. She was taken out over the ocean and then lowered down to where there was a being swimming in the ocean. And he was built like a very strong, muscular human man, but he was actually quite different in looks. He was an extraterrestrial. And so she was lowered down into the ocean from a craft, a small craft in the air. And then this being who was already swimming in the ocean took hold of her and safely somehow uh, took her down into that undersea facility uh, full of other extraterrestrial beings. And she was perfectly safe. She didn't, uh, she didn't start to drown or anything. I don't know how he did that. But um, she was escorted very safely to that facility and escorted back out again into the air at the top of the ocean and then taken by that small craft back to her home. It's probably they probably use a similar technology that they use on the craft. It's it's just like an energy field that just almost like displaces the water. So they're not going through the water. It's just they've created their own atmosphere essentially for the craft. I wonder if the beings themselves have some type of uh, advancement about them that allows them to create a field that maybe someone can be safe in or they can breathe in. I don't know. That's, just that's a great point. Um, and I've certainly wondered about this, and so has this woman who experienced it. She described the going down through the ocean um, as if it was kind of like going down through an invisible tunnel. In other words, there seemed to be air in a tunnel-shaped tube-like. Sure, like a tube, yeah. Um, it, she said there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a physical tube that she was taken down through, but that's what it seemed like because she was able to breathe in that passageway going down to the the undersea facility. We went a few summers to Hawaii, to the Big Island, and um, uh, helped to facilitate some workshops there and uh, with Joan Ocean, who does wonderful, we were having seminars and I was doing regressions. And that's where especially I had uh, the most people I did regressions with who had had those undersea UFO experiences. Yeah, and Joan actually has photographs of some of these undersea, undersea objects. Uh, some of them look like craft, some of them look like plasma balls. Uh, orbs um one of them she said she actually was able to swim into and 
um, that she came up out of the water, her and everybody else, and they came up out of the water. But when they looked underwater, they couldn't see their body. It was almost like it's some time anomaly or something. Oh, uh, but like they could swim into it and their their arm would disappear when they put their arm in it and they pulled out. Um, yeah, wow. it was, yeah, it was really cool. And she was explaining it. Uh, it's, it sounds fantastical, I know, but I mean, when these people are telling you the stories and they, they've, all the people who are there are all experiencing it together, you know, you can feel their energy and you can tell they're not making it up. And it's really, it, it'll give you chills when you hear them talking about it. Yes. But, uh, it's just oh. really cool to hear stuff like that. That's thrilling to know about. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I, I think there are mysteries really all around us in the ocean and in the air, uh, in the skies that um, we usually don't see. But when we do, it is so special. And part of that specialness, I think, is that we can't explain them. Now, we don't really, really know what they are, but it seems very magical, very inspiring. Yeah, I'm, in fact, you know, I think that, generally speaking, that the people who are having extraterrestrial encounters personally, they really are involved, that they are blessed in a certain way. Now, what I've just said may be disagreed with with some people who have had very frightening experiences with certain kinds of extraterrestrials. And indeed, there are many, many different species of extraterrestrials that come here and interact with some people. And some of them seem to be more serving of themselves and seem to be investigating us and uh, poking and probing and doing various physical things that people generally do not like and do not appreciate. And I think that we need to try to understand that. I think that there are some species that really want to know who we are and what makes us tick and what is our physiology that is different than theirs. And um, so they're studying us, some of these species, really studying, investigating us. And, you know, frankly, I think that if we humans had a chance to go to another planet, some of us would want to study them, even their physiology, their physical makeup and so forth. And some beings seem to be very, very interested in our emotions. It seems like all of the species that I have known about from these regressions, and that's probably at least 60 or 70 different species, different kinds of beings, that they don't seem to have emotion, or at least not to the vivid extent that we humans have emotion. And that seems to be a real fascination to them. In fact, some of those beings like to create hybrid beings. And one of the reasons why they like to mix their genetics with our genetics to create hybrids that live with them 
um, is because by being partly human, those hybrids would have some emotion. So some of the species have actually said in the regressions, uh, they've said that they regret that they don't have the capacity for emotion. And they look at humans and they see that our emotions have a lot to do with our various forms of arts and music and all kinds of creativity. And that if it weren't for having strong emotion, we might not be expressing creativity nearly to the extent that we as a human species do. So some of the extraterrestrial species think that, you know, they could really gain by having some of our components. And emotion is one of them. Uh, another one would be, you know, all this creativity and artistic ability uh, that we have, that they realize that in comparison to us, um, their species, wherever they live, whichever planet they're on, um, is is rather well plain, you know, compared to ours. I mean, our culture is is very vivid, and of course we take that for granted. Yeah, music and art and dance and you know all kinds of expressive arts and theater acting and cinema acting, television acting. Um, that we create these stories to entertain. Well, it seems like, from what I can tell, is that these other species don't have anything like that. And they're quite intrigued that we do. And they would like some of that for themselves. And then uh, some of them have claimed to be very interested in our souls and what, what happens to our souls through a lifetime and then what happens to the soul after we leave a physical lifetime. Of course, this is of uh, substantial interest to many of us humans as well. Uh, so I don't know if that means that they don't know about their own souls continuing after death or if they don't have souls. But then through other sources, um, through near-death experiences and uh, channeled material from the afterlife, shall we say, um, it seems like uh, that there are souls of extraterrestrials that go into that next plane. And so I have asked some people who've communicated from the other side, um, I've said, do you have a chance to meet souls in that realm who are extraterrestrial and some people who have had contact with the extraterrestrials when they were alive here on earth uh, they've said yes yes we can if we look for it if we look for them we can find them and interact with them i think that's fascinating so when I get there to the other side, um, I, I would like to explore that. And then if I would have a chance somehow to communicate that back to 
interested people on earth, that would be even better. You know, I've, I've learned too from one particular extraterrestrial who channeled for about 11 years through my longest term experiencer client, um, this being who lives on the binary star system, which we call Antares. It's on our star mm -hmm. maps. And he said that their whole way of life is, is so different from ours. And that's one of the reasons why they are interested in us. But in their way of living, a person or a being um, comes into life on that planet, extraterrestrial from our point of view. And that being comes in for a particular reason. In other words, there's a mission that that being knows about that he or she has chosen to do in that lifetime. And because they have a specific mission, they live as long as it takes to accomplish that mission. So some of them may take a few hundred years to accomplish the mission. And they would live, of course, a couple of hundred years in order to get that completed. And then when they feel that they have completed the mission they came from, they will tell their fellow beings, their family beings and, and others who know them, tell them that they have completed their mission. And then that whole group will give them a celebrative party and it's sort of a well a combination of a birthday party and a farewell party because after the party with everybody knowing that this one is through with the mission and therefore is getting toward being through with that lifetime the being will simply leave will leave the body for good presumably wow. that being goes into some sort of afterlife experience. Um, but wow. isn't it interesting? Now, some people would say that we humans do that too. And I think that there are definitely cases that we could point to where somebody has come to really do uh, some sort of groundbreaking job here on Earth and really pave the way for something new or or whatever, um, or just to be a success if that's what that soul had decided it wanted to do in this lifetime. And when that is accomplished, the person physically dies. So, I mean, I know people like that, including my own brother, who during their lifetime described what they thought they really wanted to accomplish and once they had accomplished it, well, they had a heart attack suddenly or whatever and died. It's just that they, they're more conscious about that mm. in this other race of, of beings that I've just mentioned. And if we could all get on that level of thinking, imagine, you know, we, we can view death as just a new beginning, uh, you know, or a completion. Oh, yes. Yeah, which is what it is. Along with these studies about the extraterrestrials and these intriguing experiences, um, I've been very, 
very, very interested in the near-death experiences and um, information that is uh, channeled back from the next realm, the afterlife. And um, I think it all kind of goes together as, as one big field of interest that a big puzzle. It all goes together. It really does. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, so many human beings do not have that perspective and suffer because of it, because they mourn the death of their loved ones and anybody they know, and um, and they fear death, and they'll cling on to life as long as they possibly can. And... Um, and, and that's a shame because I think it doesn't really have to be seen that way. Yeah. Exactly. I think something to learn from these other beings. Many of the beings are so unconditionally loving. They're, unlo- they're unconditionally loving to each other in their own species. And some of them are unconditionally loving to the humans whom they have encounters with. And these humans really feel that. And they feel that lovingness. And they also realize that no matter who they have in their life, or no matter how loving their own parents or their own spouse or their own children might be, that it still does not come up to the enormous amount of really unconditional love that some of these extraterrestrial beings have. So that's not to say that all extraterrestrial beings are loving or express that to the humans they encounter, but but indeed many of them do. And and that is wonderful to know, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 So I have heard that I have heard that a lot as well. Good, good. Some of these beings, um, in fact, quite a number of them, have created hybrid beings. And the hybrid beings whom I have particularly come to know and, and made a study of and wrote a book about with Miguel Mendonca, a wonderful man from England, uh, we wrote the book Meet the hybrids and these hybrids there were eight of them uh, mentioned very very thoroughly and interviewed in this book Um, they've all been hybridized in other words they were born here on earth from a regular mother and regular father born in the way that all of us are born and so the hybridization happened in two major ways. Um, In some cases, the human mother was pregnant from the human father, and during the pregnancy, the woman was taken on board by extraterrestrials and injected through her abdomen, through the wall of the uterus, and into the fetus. In other words, the fetus was injected um, with extraterrestrial DNA and in the case of these women uh, and men uh, these hybrids that they were injected with a combination 
of three or more different species of extraterrestrials, not just one type of extraterrestrial. So that's the way that most of them became hybridized. And then um, there were a couple of them who um, were hybridized in a slightly different way, and that is that the mother, who was not pregnant, was taken for an encounter, taken on board, and then she had a little embryo placed inside her womb in that encounter, and that embryo had been created by the extraterrestrials by having taken eggs from the mother's ovaries previously and sperm taken previously from the human father and then mixed with their genetics, extraterrestrial genetics and reproductive material, combining a new little embryo, which was already hybridized. And then that was uh, surgically implanted in the human mother's womb. And so in all of these cases, the mothers carried these babies full term. And as I said, they were born in the regular way that we humans give birth to our babies. So all of these hybrid babies grew up here on Earth right from the beginning of their lives. And they didn't know, any of them, for sure that they were hybrids until they were in their young adult years, or even in one case she was age 35 before she realized. However, the interesting thing is that each one of these hybrids, when a very young child, felt very different, didn't look different, but felt very different than all the other children around them and all of their families or from anybody they saw here on Earth. And they didn't know why they felt so different. And they all had an unusual amount of psychic skills. They could do telepathic knowing of what other people were thinking. And they could do healing of themselves and healing of other humans and animals as well. And they could move things with their minds. Uh, they could medically, in some cases, see what was going on inside of a person. They could see auras, of course. That was a real easy one. Yeah. Anyway, they had these abilities, and in some cases, they had something a little bit different physically about them. For instance, one woman had thumbs that widened out substantially at the end of each of the two thumbs. Um, another woman had a, quite a different blood consistency that the testing labs had not seen in other people's blood. Um, another lady had a very different bone consistency. And another one had different muscle consistency, even to the extent that she was advised again and again not to be too active and not to participate in any sports because her muscles just wouldn't be able to handle it. So, oh, and one of our 
hybrid young men had one of the internal lower abdominal organs actually up in his chest area. So you see, physically, there's something a bit different about most of them. Some of them might not have had those differences. But the abilities and the awareness that that really kind of gives it away that there's something unusual about these people. And also, each one of these hybrids living here on Earth um, had for their whole lives and still continuingly um, have lots of encounters with the particular types of extraterrestrial beings who gave them their genetics. So they consider those beings their family, some their true family, their real family. And in most cases, they would say to their own parents and siblings, you are not my real family. My real family is out there in space. They're I, the ones I'm really part of, and my real home is out there in space. I just want to jump in. A friend of mine, her daughter, tells her the same thing she tells her you know you're not my real mom and she's like i hope you're not mad at me but when i when they take me i don't want to come back like she feels more at home there yes Uh, yes it's it's fascinating to hear her story sorry to interrupt i just i just just made me think of that um if you if you would uh please tell your friend who has that child that if the child or the mother or the father ever would like to talk to somebody further about that um i am definitely available yeah i will do that actually very interested yeah i am meeting um other people now and then who uh, feel that they are hybrids and we are just beginning now uh, i and two men are beginning a dna testing program um with the hybrids whom we know. I know of about 15 people who I consider are most likely hybrids. Um, The eight in the book and then a few others, um, you know, whom I've met and done some regressions with and think there's really good reason to think that they might be hybrids. And I'm always very open to meeting more. And the more that they can know that they are hybrids, the better, I think, because the hybrids I know all have a particular mission here, and they consider themselves ambassadors between their kinds of ET beings and humanity. And they all feel that they are here to do the work that their species of extraterrestrials would really like to see done here on Earth to help humanity. So they all feel very strongly that they are here to do what they can to help humanity to evolve, to upgrade our consciousness. And that is a mighty mission. So all of these hybrids whom I know are doing work Uh, which facilitates that mission. In other words, they're teaching classes and workshops and giving lectures, giving interviews, um, trying to educate people about raising their frequencies 
and some of them are even uh, trying to help people evolve enough so that we can eventually ascend as a humanity to a higher dimension. Uh, these hybrids, um, they, they know that there are higher planes of existence, uh, different dimensions, we call them, or frequencies, and that humanity would do so much better um, if we could go to the next higher dimension, the fourth dimension, or particularly to go to the fifth dimension from the third dimension that, of course, we live in. And uh, we would be able to have lives like we do. And um, But there would be so much more cooperation and kindness and helpfulness and love and um, bringing about decent outcomes in the world uh, compared to our third dimension where we have a lot of dysfunction and negative things happening. Although we have a lot of good things happening too. We're not a total loss, but um, a lot of these beings who have created the hybrids would really like to see uh, a general upgrading. So these hybrids feel like one of their purposes of being here is to be a bridge, a liaison between humans and the extraterrestrials and to educate people about the fact that these other beings of many, many types uh, do exist on many of the other planets. And, of course, they realize, as we all do, that there aren't really a large uh, segment of the public um, that is really dedicated to learning about this sort of thing, about the other beings, the other civilizations and the other dimensions. More and more people are uh, becoming aware of all this, which I think is very good. Um, but we've got a long way to go. And of course, we know that our governments of these big nations um, have not come right out and announced that, yes, all of this is true. And also, there seems to be a lot of influence toward negativity about the extraterrestrials. You know, in, in a lot of our movies and uh, television series and so forth, books, etc., that um, there's a lot of fear that's created about the other beings being hostile and being a threat to Earth. And it may be that there are some who are a threat to Earth, but I think they are far outweighed by the beings who are be very benevolent towards humanity and towards Earth and would like to see us really get our act together and improve to a better Earth society. You know, it's, it's very wonderful that you're doing these interviews and, and letting people who've really looked into it uh, have a chance to express themselves about this. It's part of that uh, overall education that I think we human beings really need uh, because this is 
a reality that we're not only not alone in the universe, but we're accompanied, although at a, a great distance, we're accompanied by an in, innumerable amount of different species of very intelligent life. Most of that life out there may be much more intelligent than we are, and we can learn from them and benefit from them. So it, it's great. The more that people know about this, I think, the better off we are. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to bring up uh, to, to people listening to this, so the very first video I had ever seen of you, Barbara, was the one where you had the hybrids that you're talking about come on stage. Oh, and, yes. And talk about their their experience as a hybrid and they had drawn pictures of what their family looks like and you know what they look like and uh outside of the human body i was that was one of the biggest catalysts in my awakening and when i saw that and when you hear these see these people come forward um i just recommend that everybody check that out and i know it's available on openminds.com it's not it's hard to find on YouTube. I can't find it on YouTube, but openminds.com, uh, type in Barbara Lamb, and uh, that video should pop up, and it is incredible. If you want to see these hybrids talk and tell their story, it's 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 life-changing. It's life-changing. Well, that's great. I'm glad you told me about that, too, as well as the audience, because um, that lecture I gave at the International UFO Congress, which is a really big, wonderful uh, conference. And that was in 2016. And since then, I have never seen a replay of that lecture, but I want to very much because six of our hybrids who live here on Earth um, uh, had a chance to speak for themselves. In, in my lecture, I gave kind of a preamble about the whole thing, and then they eat, eat, six of them out of the eight uh, were able to be there for that conference in person and say what they wanted to say about their own experience of being a hybrid. And there were some people in the audience um, whom I know who took photos of those hybrids and um, they all had a big glow of light around their heads that showed up in the photos. Wow. And one wow. of them, Cynthia Crawford, was just completely covered in the brightest white light. You, you could, wow. you could, it, it covered from above her head through her whole body and below her feet so that you wouldn't even know there was a person standing there talking that that's how much light she was glowing with and wow. other big splotches of light too showing in front of them so there really was something going on there that was very special they were definitely emitting a very high energy have you ever been doing like a past life regression on someone and then they um like a past ET life will come up where they, they had a past life as an ET, like on another planet. Yes, yes. I've had several of those. In fact, they started happening 
before I even knew that there was such a thing as extraterrestrial beings. So this is back in the 1980s when I was doing a lot of past life regression therapy. And um, yeah, there were several instances where somebody in the regression found themselves as a very different type of being on another planet. And um, oh boy, were those interesting to me. And, <laughs> and then in a couple of cases, um, the person being regressed went back to a lifetime of being an extraterrestrial being who had come to Earth to visit Earth, not to do an abduction, but just to visit Earth and see what Earth was like. And in both of those regressions, two different people, um, for some reason they could not get back to the craft that they had come in, or in one case, uh, the craft wouldn't work, and they weren't able to fly away. So um, Mm -hmm. what eventually happened is that they died here. And then eventually, in another lifetime, they incarnated as the human that they are now in this lifetime. Wow, very interesting. That's that's, the first one that came up like that. Um, And, of course, I was totally surprised uh, the woman who was an ongoing therapy client I had uh, had been wondering for quite a while why she always seemed to be angry or at least very quick to go into an anger response about things and her family and her friend would say why are you always so angry and it was sort of a mystery to her I mean her life wasn't that bad or abusive you know to have a lot of anger so we did a regression one day um this was probably about 1985 and um did a regression to the source of her pattern of being angry so that was a very open question what is the source of this anger problem you have you know, expecting that she would go to something earlier in this life or maybe a previous lifetime. Mm-hmm. So what happened is she did go to a previous lifetime, but she was a different kind of being on a different planet. Uh-huh. The planet itself was very dull, sort of grayish brown, everything on it, not much vegetation, not much of anything. It was very plain and dull, gray-brown. And she, as a being, a tall, thin being, had gray-brown skin and no hair. She, you know, obviously was not a human yeah. on the planet. And she, in that lifetime, got very bored. And she was thinking... There must be some place in the cosmos where life is more interesting than this. Yeah. And so she, <laughs> she looked around and, and um, found out eventually that there was this planet, which the people on it called planet Earth. And it, it was a very colorful planet. You know, blues and greens and browns and white clouds and... and uh, 
anyway, uh, it looked interesting. She was able to see through uh, one of their telescopic mechanisms somehow. And, um, and she heard that the beings on that planet Earth, you know, were, oh, had very uh, exciting lives, very vivid. They felt all kinds of things. So she died in that lifetime. And then when she reincarnated, she reincarnated as a human on this other planet, planet Earth. And that incarnation happened back in the days of the sultans who ran the Middle East part of our world. Young woman uh, with darker skin and, and very dark hair. And um, she was considered such a beauty in her teenage years that she was given by her family to the sultan of that region, given as a young bride. So she became the bride. There were other wives, too, and they lived in sort of a harem situation. And for quite a while, for a few years, she was the favorite wife of the sultan and was very privileged and all kinds of perks because she was the favorite wife among all the others. And uh, the others were sort of envious of her, but they, they got along well enough. And then when she got a little bit older, several years older, another young woman came in as a younger bride. And then she, that younger one became the favorite of the sultan. And this one was sort of relegated to be just one of the other many 20 or 30 wives that the sultan had. And she did not like that. She was angry. She was angry and expressed that anger a lot. And eventually she was executed because of her anger, because of her expressions of uh -huh. anger so frequently. So she died being angry. And wow, that's that over had, to her. Then she had other incarnations Next lives, yep. a few hundred years ago and then came back eventually into this lifetime as a young woman who was just angry right from the very beginning, not knowing why. Man, that it's so it's so interesting to hear that perspective because a lot of our problems stem from past life traumas like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just something that's been so far removed from our society that the, even the possibility of even having lived past lives, you know, it's not mainstream knowledge. So, so yeah. you never, you'll never, you may never get to the core of the problem. And I want to add also, I have blown away at how many of the, you've done 3000 cases and the details that you remember. I don't oh, know how, yeah. you, I don't know how you retain all of this stuff. I mean, it, you're just, it's <laughs> just amazing. like a. It's just like a bank of information, and you're you're just just tapping into as you're talking. Uh, yes, man, I can hardly remember somebody's name sometimes. You yes, know. <laughs> well, there are certain ones that really stand out. Uh, yeah, I do remember a lot of them, and some of them uh, I might have to look at my notes to uh, remember. As soon as I start reading the notes, oh yeah, I remember this one. You know. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. triggers something. Just just there ready to to think about again which yeah. is why, because they're so so interesting 
I mean, the important thing really about all this, I think, is that um, the work, the regression work, seems to be, for the most part, really helpful for the person. And that's why I do it, because um, I'm a therapist, because I want to be helpful to people. And um, it, it just happens also that this is all very, very interesting and material that I think it helps us as a society to know about, to know about this part of reality that we have not considered to be part of reality. Yeah, and, and uh, people um, sometimes take varying amounts of time to sort of integrate uh, what's what they have found out in the regression. Uh, but it always has that aspect of enlightenment to it, like the, oh, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, that's what, that's what, happened after I had that close UFO sighting. Or that's that's why I have those unusual markings on my body. Yeah. Or that's that's where I got the implant put in my body. Or oh that, that's what happened during that period of time that was missing that one particular day or night. Or yeah. oh that's why I keep looking up at the sky, why I've been so interested in the other planets and stars. I, I never knew why that was. Nobody else in my family is interested, but I am. You know, that type of thing. There are lots of little, um, like little lights going off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel that even if the experience that somebody revisits in regression is negative. In other words, the extraterrestrial beings did some procedures that maybe they did not like having done, because that does happen sometimes with some of them. But I realize as a therapist that it's more helpful to know what happened than to live with the stress and the wondering why a person is so stressed or so anxious or so fearful or whatever. It's better to know what the reason is, and then they can deal with it. They can learn how to deal with it. They can integrate it and uh, make more peace with it, which they couldn't do when they didn't even know, you know, what had happened. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's worth people's pursuing this unfortunately we have the method of doing hypnotic regression that can help a person go back to the details of one of those experiences they wonder about and i always stress to people that they have a a very strong subconscious part of the mind and the subconscious part of the mind is can be very very helpful because it records everything that we experienced in any way even the subconscious mind records those things that have happened to us that we have not been consciously aware of which is usually the case with these 
extraterrestrial encounters that most of the encounter the person is not aware of consciously. But the subconscious mind is aware and it records it and it retains it. And that's why in regression, when we go into a state of deep relaxation, which is what hypnosis is, and go into the subconscious part of the mind, that we can relive moment by moment every moment of that experience. Even if the experience happened long ago, decades ago, uh, or in a previous lifetime. And, and I think it's grossly unfair to characterize all extraterrestrial beings as being demonic. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, there are some of the beings who do things to people that people don't like. Mm -hmm. uh, being physically examined and poked and probed and so forth. And yet, I don't think those beings are demonic. I think that they're just very serving of themselves. They, they want to learn about how we are composed physiologically. Yeah. But even with some of those uh, procedures that they do, that seem frightening to the person. Very often those procedures turn out to be actually helpful to the person, believe it or not. In other words, somebody might have one of the beings working on their brain and it might be said to the person, this has happened a number of times with people I've regressed, it might be said to the person that we are rewiring your brain. Now, that could be very frightening if you're lying there on a table in a spacecraft and these unusual beings who are definitely not human are all around you and, and they're doing something with your head and they're saying we're going to rewire mm. your brain. I mean, it would be pretty hard to trust that, that that would be okay. Yeah. But in every case that I know of, um, where that's happened to a person, the person has been upgraded. The person's brain has been maybe more able to be psychic or uh, telepathic. Um, in other words, there's an upgrade that has happened. Or maybe with the rewiring of the brain, they now have great healing ability. And some of the procedures that are done on a person's abdomen while the person is lying on a kind of a cold table um, in an unusual round room with bright lights and these unusual beings, uh, that in itself can be frightening, understandably. But very often they are being healed of some important malady that they have. Yeah. So, the, so a being might be coming toward them with a lighted instrument of some type, and the person might think, oh, you know, what's going to happen? But but actually, it turns out that that lighted wand is actually healing something internally mm -hmm. that's going wrong with the person that the person either did know about previously or didn't know about. 
So there are lots of healing procedures that are done uh, with abducted people and that they really, really benefit from those healings. There are some pretty spectacular ones that have come through some of the regressions I've done. One of one of the things people are afraid of is the unknown. That's fear. That's yes. just fear of the unknown. You're afraid of the dark because you can't see. You turn the light on. You're not scared. Uh, it, it's just a, that's that's the biggest issue. It, it's not that they're scared of what's happening. It's just because they don't understand what's happening. Yeah, that's yeah. What, and that's basically what you just said. Yeah, and that's why the regressions are so helpful uh, because. A person might have a little glimpse, a little brief flash of a memory of, you know, big eyes looking into their eyes, big black eyes or uh, strange beings being around them on a table and and they're being examined to some extent. And um, and that's, of course, not welcomed by those people. But if they will do a regression and get the details and even sometimes the explanations from the beings themselves about what they're doing, it really puts a different light on it and makes the whole thing so much more uh, not only understandable but acceptable to the person who's experienced that sort of things. So one of the things that I find in many of the regressions, I don't remember, Tyler, if this particular thing happened in yours or not. Um, but if the person wonders what's happening to them, what, why the beings are doing this particular thing, I tell them in the regression that they can ask the beings what they're doing and, and why. And when they do ask, they always seem to get an answer. And because the beings are telepathic, they get the answer in their minds. They don't hear it out loud with their ears. In other words, we all have some telepathic ability that we haven't really known about in most cases. But um, the answers given by the, the extraterrestrial beings really make sense. And then the person so often is grateful because they're being helped in some way. Or sometimes they find out that they are helping somebody else. In other words, uh, one of my clients I did several regressions on, and she was in my experiencer group for uh, three or four years. Uh, She came in one day for her regression, and she had a straight line scar on her forearm, her right forearm. Just looked like a white line, a a straight line scar right there, about two inches long. And she knew that she had not had that the previous night. But during the night, she got that scar. It wasn't bleeding or anything. And in fact, it looked like it was healing quite nicely. So we did a regression to the experience of having that straight line scar put on her forearm. And what she found out during the regression was that the beings were taking a certain ingredient from that particular vein in her right forearm. And that ingredient, they said, was to help their newborns 
to survive. So once she realized that, that they weren't just doing some mean, macabre thing to her, but they were taking something from her that was helping to save some of their lives, she felt really okay about that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad to be of help. It wasn't harming her. And the scar eventually faded away. As it turned out, that woman's husband, who actually did more regressions with me to her, his extraterrestrial encounters, he also had an identical straight line white scar on his left forearm. They were both in my experiencer group, so I put the two arms together and and his and hers, and we compared them. They were identical, although on his left arm and hers had been on the right arm. Well, we never did a regression to how he got that scar, but we figured from what the wife had found out that it probably was uh, to take some ingredient from that vein that was helpful to their newborns. So a lot of these species of extraterrestrials have really got into a real concern and worry about the fact that they have been losing their ability to reproduce. In other words, their species is beginning to die out. And that is a very big reason for their uh, choosing humans to create hybrids with, uh, because the hybrids would have a better chance of living since they were part human. And those are the hybrids that I believe I mentioned earlier who are continuing to live on the ships, the UFOs with the beings, or to live on their planets. Sure, sure. Many people who've been realizing that they have hybrid children from these encounters Um, when they realize that, oh, these hybrid children are helping to save a whole race of beings, they feel better about it. They feel they're contributing. They had not consciously agreed to, but that they are being very helpful to other beings in the universe. 